G'day ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 2 of the podcast. This week we're speaking to a good friend of mine who um, I've debated with quite a lot over the past three years. Um, he's a very good debater, he's a very good man and he's just a great bloke to talk to. I'm really excited to uh, share this episode um, with you guys. Uh, his name's Joshua McDonald. He is also known as Mecca, um, and he's a great bloke to talk to. Um, he's got some really good insight into some really topical issues and some issues that people don't really like to talk about, some taboo issues, but he's got some great insights and done some great research before this podcast, and he's just really good to talk to. So, I hope you uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast, um, and we're going to be trying to talk to as many different people as we can get on as well, so um, if you want to join me on the podcast like this, uh, be sure to send me a message on Instagram and we will hook something up. So we can uh, produce great quality uh, content and have chats about important issues that affect us every day. So sit back, relax, enjoy me chatting with Joshua McDonald. Thank you. You have your firearms license, don't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, as um, a member of the firearms community, um, what would you, what's your first impressions on uh, the uh, attempt by the New Zealand Police to increase the uh, cost of a license? I think it's trying to scare people when go away. And I think that's kind of what they're doing with gun licenses. Right, yeah. Um, so, um, do, do, you th- do you think... Do, do you think um, they're trying to scare people away from um, hunting or get gaining a license. I think they're trying to scare people away from just owning guns in general. Um, to me, I don't, see my, I don't see a problem with owning guns. Like, if you look at Switzerland, for example, has the highest gun ownership in the world, but has such a small uh, gun violence. There hasn't been a school shooting there, I don't think, ever. Um, it's because there they teach people from a young age gun safety and stuff. But here the way they're doing it, in New Zealand especially, is they're trying to make people demonise guns and see them as a killing machine, where in fact they're a great self-defence tool and they're also good for hunting. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's totally true. We um, do have a great landscape in this country for the ability of hunting, Um so what 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 do you think would be better spent on um, creating a better gun safe approach in this country? Well, I think teaching kids from a young age the importance of guns and how to be safe around guns. Not saying you should put a AR fifteen or a high caliber weapon in the hands of a child, but what I'm meaning is teaching them. Um, how to be safe around guns and how to treat them with respect. Um, You could also uh, introduce, just like the government's done with the COVID-19 thing, introduce the ad campaign to spread awareness to this about using guns safely instead of using ad campaigns to spread that guns are evil and only bring bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously in in New Zealand um, with 
there's been a raft of gun laws changes uh, following the March 15th terror attack. And in Australia, um, following the uh, Port Arthur attack, they also had very similar um, gun laws introduced, which took away a large proportion of weapons from the civilian population. Um, what's your what's your viewpoint on this legislation that was introduced? Well, I think it doesn't work. See, the March fifteenth uh, attack in twenty nineteen in Christchurch uh, took a large proportion of high caliber and weapons with uh, multiple bullets in a magazine. Um, this hasn't stopped anything. In fact, gun violence has gone up. Uh, if you look quite recently, there was a shooting up in Auckland. Um, gun violence is always going to be prevalent, but the only way to stop gun violence is not by getting rid of guns, but by teaching people uh, how to be safe around guns and proper uh, gun safety. But another thing they could also do is introduce what they have with cars, introducing a warrant of fitness system with guns that you bring it into a, a police station of sorts and they assess the gun to see if it has any illegal modifications or has been... Uh, well looked after. And if it hasn't been well looked after, the gun gets taken away from you. Uh, this is to establish uh, that guns are actually being used for the intention of hunting or self-defence and not just for drive-by shootings like they're being used recently. Um, if guns are properly registered under a massive book that we can keep track of who owns guns, then we can stop people from that are high risk of committing crime from owning guns. Um, if there's proper licensing with the guns also and you get uh, proper training before you own a gun, instead of this nine-month wait, which seems like forever, and if you could cut that down to a shorter period where you actually teach them more about safety and etiquette and get more proper background checks, um, like they do in Switzerland, uh, gun there won't be any gun violence to the, the extent that there is today. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, I remember listening to a great um, article or a, a, a great comedy show uh, from Jim Jeffries, an Australian comedian, and he he had a great quote in that where he said, there's no such thing as a protection rifle. It's called an assault rifle for a reason. Um, so do you think it comes down to what, what types of guns we have readily accessible to members of the public as well? Um, okay, so this is, a, this is what... If you look at what guns like fully automatic weapons such as AKs and um, M4s and stuff... Uh, they are designed to kill people. But I don't think they should be restricted from the public, per se. I think, yes, there should be stronger uh, checks behind them to make them safe to not only the people around the people who use them, but the people who use them themselves. If they're taught how to actually maintain and respect a weapon instead of doing such things as what happened on March 15th. If you look at America, it has a very high gun ownership rate, but it also has a very high um, crime rate with guns. But then if you look at Switzerland, as I said before, it has a very much more high rate of people who own guns compared to America. Um, but they own just as many guns that are automatic weapons and such. They don't have barely any crime. If people are taught respect around guns and um, how to properly use one instead of only using them for crime, I look a gun can't shoot it. Uh, a gun can't shoot itself. You have to have someone behind it to shoot it. It's anything can become a weapon. It's just the people behind it who choose to, whether they're going to kill someone with it or they're going to shoot a deer with it. I I, I couldn't agree more. That. Um been put very beautifully um, in a way that even dumb fucks out there um, can understand. Uh, would you would you would you um, agree to an increase in the cost of firearms licensing 
if the New Zealand police um, agreed to introduce gun-safe programs in um, rural communities across the country as well as cities to encourage um, better gun safety? Um. Uh, it's it's a bit like um, how they use, I, I don't really like it at the moment, but uh, rucks and stuff for diesel trucks and diesel cars. They use that money from there to go improve roads and such. I see if they were to increase the gun licensing even more than the price it already is, I would love that money just to go back to ad programs and teaching people about gun etiquette and such like that. Um but the way they're using it at the moment is that money's just going straight to the government. Um, I think it should go to teaching people how to be safe around guns and how to use guns properly instead of using guns as a form of violence. Um, yeah, so teaching people how to use guns properly. I think that's one of the big... Um, I think that's one of the big problems that we've um, got um, that the um, license, Council of Licensed Firearm Owners had because they're yeah. saying police can't substantiate what real costs um, to firearm owners are being, they've been asked to pay for, yet to, what, to increase the charges up to 400% more. So I think I think I think that's one of the big problems that we have with this um, increase in cost, and I guess it does um, increase the questions of what is this money going to be used for, or is it just to put people off from owning a firearm? Look, if I go back to something real quickly, there's two million privately owned guns. In Switzerland, Switzerland has a population of 8.3 million. So that's a very high gun ownership between that population. But then if you look at how many murder rates there are with the guns, there's near, nearly zero. Nearly zero. It's because at a young age, um, gun owners associations and the government uh, teach the youth and the population about gun safety and etiquette and how to, you know, properly be safe around guns. Um, but then if you look at somewhere like America, um, it gives guns a bad name because one, you don't really have to go for a license in many states. You can just go and buy a gun. Um, I think if people, uh, if awareness is brought around guns, how they can be used safely and effectively um, for not only hunting but self-defense, uh I see the murder rate in New Zealand going down to bare minimum, even zero. Because uh, I, I, I think guns essentially in New Zealand are very important because we have a very good hunting, we're a very good hunting country. We have uh, uh, deer, tar, and many other things that are good for hunting. They also stop pests like rabbits and uh, goats. But also, um, we've got so many gangs in New Zealand, and especially in. Uh, areas like myself uh, there's many gangs uh, that uh, rob people's houses and with the current guns that we have at the moment just like a 22 and single bolt action rifles there's not much that you can do if a, a gang of uh, people often with shotguns and sawn off ones uh, there's not much you can do to stop them and and also just on that point um like people might say, oh well, you've if you've got insurance, you can uh, cover it. But uh, some of these uh, aggravated offenders are not um, just letting you walk out of the way and let them rob you. They are cause inflicting harm on their victims. As we can see, that dairy owner got was running away from the offender and got his fingers chopped off. So they are inflicting harm on people, even if they are happy to let them take whatever they want. Yes. Um, but I also think if 
at a young age, you're set to set up um, what's it called uh, conventions and stuff in New Zealand, especially. Um, like in Switzerland, they have a a, a thing uh, in Zurich uh, called a, a Narben Schessen. It's a like a traditional annual festival. Um, it's dated back hundreds of years, but it teaches boys about shooting, and it's a competition of, in fact, um, so people get can, can get competitive around guns, but not to the extent of shooting each other, but by uh, making them shoot targets and educating them with by not wanting to shoot people, but instead by using it for targets and uh, hunting and stuff. Right, so that would... Um, I, I see the point you're making where that creates an environment where um, guns aren't feared by people and they are the ability to use them is... Um, population wide which means that um, the people who deserve guns you, I, I would I would have to say that background checks would have to be majorly introduced in a country like that would, uh, would I be correct? Yeah, background checks are obviously essential to stopping people that have committed as well as look, if you look at things like the FBI They've uh, made profiling where they can see if people are going to commit crime in the future. I I can see that technology being used to stop people who potentially will use guns for evil from owning guns in the future. But if I might go on to another point, um, I reckon with the rate of gun ownership, if it was to happen in New Zealand, we'd see a higher rate of people wanting to join the military, which would not only be good for... Um, the country, but also be good for um, us as a nation. It would, it would, um, and and coming into the next uh, ten years, um, not not to lose focus on on that the overall um, picture here, but we are looking at potentially a global globalised war over the next 10 years. So uh, if we could increase uh, our uh, gun safety, gun smarts, people who are wanting to join the military will be more able to defend themselves in the event of a catastrophic collapse of global order. But also, I see the fact that people, uh, if more people were to join the military, that you would have a lower rate in homelessness because people would be more incentivized to join the military um, because of its high uh, personnel rate. And I, I think, personally, that having a bigger military is a good thing for our country, especially especially with China and their expansion into the Pacific uh, with creating uh, small islands so they can extend their fishing and sea area. Yes, yes, well, um, China is definitely a major player in the uh, Pacific Ocean, uh, not only just uh, extending the South China Sea ever so slightly further and further out, but they are also uh, posing a serious threat to Taiwan, who has um, been under the protection of the US since the Chinese Civil War. And they also are trying to gain influence over countries that New Zealand and Australia significantly hold power over, which can um, result in certain military bases of certain countries being positioned in very unique strategic zones. So increasing New Zealand's military um, could benefit us very soon in the future. I would agree. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, to, to be fair, I think the government of New Zealand has been putting a back foot, a back foot towards what's happening with China. Australia is actually standing up against China, but we see uh, uh, no support from New Zealand whatsoever in helping Australia with the expansion of China, especially in the South China Sea and into the Pacific. Mm. Mm. But um, 
would you not agree? Uh, obviously, you um, have some knowledge in the agricultural industry. Um, would you not agree that any wrong foot we take at this at this current moment uh, could jeopardise uh, a billion dollar industry for New Zealand? Uh, well, yeah, obviously. Um, New Zealand's main exporter for a lot of its dairy and uh, beef production is to China, and especially with our such reliance of China, us standing against China may be a risk towards the agricultural sector and many other sectors within New Zealand, especially forestry also. But we should have never had such a reliance on China in the first place. We need to set up other places for... Um, production such as the US or India. India has had a massive boom in um, production and all sorts of things. And I think our reliance on China is one day going to come back to haunt us because we are pretty much just funding not only their regime, but also their military. Yeah, well, I totally agree with you. And one thing one thing I'd like to touch on with this conversation is... Um, the slow degradation of our um, of the South Island's west coast, uh, slowly and but surely, large, massive farms are being brought up by Chinese um, Chinese companies that are sponsored by the CCP, which means that eventually, a large part of our agricultural industry will be owned and operated by Chinese businessmen and that money will be shipped overseas. So we do have to be very, very careful what we're doing here because we are allowing large parts of our country's prime real estate and prime products to be exported at very cheap prices back to China without us even batting an eyelid. Exactly. I, I think under under especially today's government, the allowing of Chinese to buy property within New Zealand, with even many of them not even having New Zealand, uh, what's the word, citizenship or residentship, um, I, I think it's disgraceful. And especially with... Uh, properties that are prime for agricultural sectors. Um, I think if this continues, we'll soon see the fall of the agricultural sector in New Zealand, but not the fall of it completely, but only to New Zealand ownership. And soon it will become mostly a Chinese-owned entity if they're keeping on buying out these prime agricultural areas. Um I don't see many New Zealanders holding out because the Chinese have the money to buy most of these properties. And and also, I think we need to look at dairy is becoming, uh, which is our biggest industry, is becoming unprofitable. You might get uh, $9.30 or $9.50 per um, kg of milk solids, um, and then it's costing you $8.66 per kg of the very same milk solid to produce it and the cost of production is going up and the uh, price of milk solids is going down. So at a very at a point soon in the future, we could be looking at where our dairy industry does is making a loss on selling its milk products overseas. And that would be a very, very scary day for farmers across the country. Yeah, um, exactly. Because China are able to, uh, they they do have their own dairy industry, but it's not to the extent of how we do it over here. They uh, mostly do it inside of uh, buildings and such, and they don't feed them, they only really feed them grain and such. Uh, I, I think with China's massive new dairy industry, we'll soon see the fall of many other dairy industries around the world, including New Zealand's, if um, China are able to keep on getting... Because we are sending some of our... A lot of cows to 
China at the moment. Um, and not only the cows, but also some of the AIs from the cows so they can breed much better cows for better more for more milk production. Um, if this continues, yeah, I, I just feel like the New Zealand's farming industry may fall. Yes, and I would agree with you. Uh, um, and also, um, back on your point before about speculation buying um, people in China, the government uh, sort of said, oh, we're banning, when they came in five years ago, they sort of said, we're going to ban speculation buying, um, even though it was boosting our economy um, under the John Key era. But they banned it and said anyone from overseas can't buy a property without having New Zealand residency and made it extremely hard. And then when it came to um, blocks of land or dairy farms, they have uh, since changed the law, which now allows people to people from overseas to more easily buy up these big chunks of farms or whole farms um, and it also allows other companies such as um, uh, what do you call them development companies to buy them up and develop them into housing blocks uh, big chunks of out, out my way in Horsell are being big chunks of highly fertile land are being uh, changed into uh, subdivisions. And I also heard stories of uh, the very same thing happening in North Canterbury as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, you've got these massive companies that are buying uh, agricultural land and turning it into uh, housing developments, which most of the time don't do that well and end up, some of them even end up just going bankrupt in the first place and just leaving this good agricultural land just full of shingle now because of uh, just, yeah, gone bankrupt. Uh, I, I think the government should be more careful with who they give these uh, um, development rights to because a lot of these companies are either failing or they're producing homes that are absolute dog shit. And they all look the same and people don't want to buy them. And half the time it's um, it's um, people who uh, they've brought and sold a few houses and gathered enough money to buy a piece of land and then they've got to get uh, loans on from the banks and the banks are saying, oh, no, and then they fall over. Uh, yeah, because they base everything off uh, very fine margins, and sometimes fine margins can't be safe. And then, like you say, this land, this high fertile land, is wasted. We can't use it. You can't convert it back into farmland once it's had concrete or shingle or shit put all over it. Yeah. Um. I, I, I think the modern house designs of nowadays just look terrible um, because they all look yep. the same. Um, if you look about maybe mm -hmm. uh, 50, 60 years ago, the houses were very different in what they looked like. There was many different d designs and styles. Nowadays, it's just a, a concrete mess of... Uh, it, I, I would even say... it. It kind of reminds me of communist architecture. It all looks the same. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, you, you you go for a drive down here and you've got a block of six, six houses and they're literally the exact same, maybe with a different front door colour. And it's like, oh, for God's sakes, looks ugly as hell. Yeah. Dive, um, dive, yeah, you go. If I... If I go back to gun control, uh, what was your thoughts about the recent shooting in Queensland? Uh, well, obviously it's uh, it's a terrible, um, it, it, it's a terrible uh, attack on the police. Um, 
I have been stated on the record uh, saying whether or not um, social media is to blame for part of this because they are very radicalised and anti, um, anti-media, anti, um, anti-police rhetoric. And sometimes when I sit on sit and watch the news, I see this image portrayed, um, especially in New Zealand, uh, we see the image of police bad, people bad, blah, blah, blah. This is the only correct viewpoint. And people are being radicalised while they're watching the six o'clock news, but also while they're scrolling through the echo chambers that they have found in their social media platforms. And I think when we look at the shootings or tragic deaths of uh, three people, two police officers and a member of the public, um, we seem to think, oh, they had guns, ban all guns. Uh, the, the thing is, you touched on it a while back, uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. And yeah. the, the, um, the thing is that these people have been radicalised and the guns they've used are semi-automatics that were banned many years ago during the uh, after the Port Arthur attack. So um, we, can, we can't blame that on the access to guns because criminals will get guns no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think by restricting guns, you're creating more of a black market in, of such, and you don't know who owns the guns if, you create a, if a black market is created because um, people who aren't on the registry for gun ownership now own guns it creates uh, more of a problem not only for police but also for uh, people in society because uh, the people that own these black market guns are more likely to commit crime. That's very true. Criminals um, will get guns if they need guns, whereas the people who abide by the law, uh, they, they, if, if you ban the semi-automatic, they're not going to use a semi-automatic. They're just going to carry on with whatever gun they can get. Um, whereas if you're, if you're a criminal and you ban the semi-automatic, the criminal's just going to be like, okay, I'll just get my contact in Northeast Asia to buy me a gun and ship it over here with when I import all my drugs. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you're exactly right with that. Um, like, if you if you look at like such things as the Mister Asia Mister Asia Syndicate back in the seventies uh, and eighties uh, and such, um, it was a massive drug um, importing ring. If it was that easy to import drugs, um, it must be that easy. Well, I don't know anymore, but about importing guns. Uh, but I do think there's a a stronger border presence nowadays uh, especially with how strict it is and after 9-11 obviously with about importing pretty much anything but I see that people who used to own guns such as AR-15s are keeping them because many didn't give them up during the armistice uh, selling them off to people that are going to use them for bad things yeah well they are getting a lot more money than they would have got for during the armistice, um, which was a negative that the police didn't think through. Oh, these give them bloody uh, half of what the guns were, and uh, we'll see if they give it in. Yeah, of course they're not. Of course they're not going to. Um, and also, um, theft, gun theft, is a large problem in this country. Uh, we seem to be allowing criminals to do things that um, would get you locked up and then if it's a first time offence they will let you out I even saw an article the other day um, the corrections officials were 
thinking about releasing every single prisoner who was on a first-time offence, just releasing them from prison, full stop. Thankfully, the minister thought that was a stupid idea, which it is, and stopped it. But that's that's the sort of weak on crime response we're getting at the moment. They want to... I don't think making more prisons would be the solution. I think it's teaching and um, stopping crime from happening in the first place, uh, especially with the ram raids and dairies and such. If the government would invest in bullards, especially for the dairies, and if you look recently, a uh, dairy worker got his fingers chopped off and another one died. Um, it's obviously a massive problem with today's youth is uh, they're just selling cars and ra- raiding dairies just for nicotine not even cash half the Yeah, yeah, well, it's not even cash half the time. It's, uh, yeah. And alcohol. Alcohol is a big fuel of this problem as well. Um, but, of course, um, we can see that, that with these problems, um, some people who face consequences just do not care. I, I remember I was talking to a friend of our family. Um, he was a mentor uh, for young, young, troubled young people. And he said, some people just do not care. You tell them you're going to end up in prison if you keep going. And they go, good, I want to go to prison. I'll see my mates. And... I've just lost the will to live. And he said, you've got to build that back into them because you can send them to prison, you can uh, send them to boys' homes and they won't give a shit. They don't care. They need to be have that character, that mana built back into them. And he said, there's only one way to do it. And I believe Christopher Luxon has uh, proposed that very idea. Yeah, um, I, I think with the influence gangs have nowadays on the youth, that, and especially with social media, people think it's cool to uh, do some, these new crimes and commit crimes in general. Uh, I, I think an education over what can happen to you if you were to commit crimes and harsher sentences, such as even for murder, bring, uh, bringing back the death penalty, uh, to stop people from even wanting to commit crimes because nowadays you just get a slap on the wrist. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Um, I think, I'm not sure about bringing back the death penalty, although some people do deserve it uh, from the crimes that they have committed. Um, but um, harsh penalties... Um, proper prison time where people have to uh, be sent to prison rather than uh, just said, oh, oh, yeah, okay, um, you did a bad thing, but we'll let you off this time. Next time, though, watch out. Because if they feel like they've got away with it, it doesn't um, have a lasting impact in their head. Yeah. Um what I mean by bringing back the death penalty is creating, uh, it, it, like in America especially, they I think they rush the death penalty way too much. I, I think you need to have proper um, evidence to back up the fact that someone's committed a crime. If you're just, uh, you know, uh, if you do some proper research uh, into who's committed the crime, uh, wrongful death won't happen. Um If you look at uh, uh, places where, like, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, you need to create a, a place where people feel safe and criminals are getting punished for what they're doing. Um, in New Zealand, I think um, first-degree murder is only a 26- to 30-year uh, prison sentence, and especially Brendan Tarrant. He's someone who shouldn't live, or if he does live, he shouldn't be living in human conditions because he's not a human um people commit who who commit those horrific crimes 
should not live in our society and should never live in our society. I, t- I totally agree. And um, there's certain there's certain criminals such as Mr. Tarrant who uh, broadcast or openly confess to the crimes they have committed and do it um, as, as he did, post it all over the fucking internet um, where um, he I, I would totally agree with the death penalty for a man like him because um, I completely stand against anything like that to any race or um, type of people, ethnicity, anyone. Um, the mass murder of anyone is a horrendous crime and deserves to be punished to the yeah. utmost highest degree. Um, I, but I, I do agree that um, the death penalty could be reintroduced. It has some very good positives in terms of creating an environment where there is a fear of proper punishment. Like some people um, might not be scared of jail time because they'll get to meet their mates in jail, whatever. But um, I think a lot of these people do care about their life. They might not say they do, but they have that deep down instinct of survival. And if they are faced with a decision, be good or be put to sleep, the survival instinct will kick in and they will uh, be valued citizens, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but they you have these other countries, especially in Scandinavia, where they've taken a different approach to um, how they jail uh, people. Uh, they give them humane living conditions like a, a bed and a TV and home amenities. I, I, I see that working, but I don't see it working with violent crime, especially with New Zealand and its gang culture. Um, I, I think New Zealand's become too much of a a country that has bowed down to these uh, gangs, especially. And if this, I think if it continues, um, our youth will become more prone to join gangs. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can say it um, just among um, mates and mates of mates. It's, um, there's definitely more of a, uh, stupidity in the culture we have in this country. Um, people like, oh, it's funny to do stupid shit, like drink alcohol at 13 or vape at young ages, blah, blah, blah. Whereas um, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily what our ancestors have been doing. It's we're becoming more and more reckless as the generations pass on, I think. Yeah. And I think with with that, I totally agree. We are slowly endorsing uh, criminal activity in our young people. And that is a problem that I see manifesting itself in the next 10 to 20 years. But the, I, I do think gangs, there's, there's some gangs that have taken a turn, like um, up north there's a gang called Tribal Hucks who have turned away from their violent ways and become somewhat of a serving the community and such. I, I think gangs, uh, turning gangs into a, a community of sorts and making them go away from violent tendencies and... Uh, especially tribal hucks who have, like, helped feed the poor and the sick in their community. Yeah, well, um, certain gangs, I think there's also a sense of meaning in some young people. Uh, They feel like they can get a sense of connection out of 
these gang members, they can get a sense of connection um, from the people who they're connected with. And with this sense of connection, they can um, be sucked into these gangs. So if we can have positive reinforcement of positive gangs, we can create a more safe and vibrant future for this country. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I, I, I think that's a very good point. Mm, mm. <laughs> so, Josh, um, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but um, I had a bit of a car park meltdown yesterday. Um, oh, what happened? <clears throat> oh well, well, I was I was driving through town and absolutely going ballistic because of how many bad drivers there are, and um, I I ended up going up to the sixth floor of a car park building uh, across the road from the police station, and I got up there and I was just like, oh, for f sakes, blah blah blah, Jesus Christ, terrible drivers, rich people driving turning around the corners, blah, blah, blah. So I was wondering, on a lighter note, we've talked about some very deep, uh, meaningful subjects, but on a lighter note, have you have you had any uh, classic road rage moments or moments where you've just lost it because of people's driving on the road? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I've did a long drive into town whenever I've got work or when I used to go to school. Um there's some absolute idiots on the road, uh, especially the ones, uh, for example, uh, I had a, a Honda Civic behind me and I had a truck right in front of me. The Honda Civic decides to overtake me and then go right underneath this truck's blind spot. <laughs> Imagine if that truck was to stop. It would not only um, destroy the car, but it would kill the occupant inside. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it would be the, uh, the truck driver's fault. As well, yeah. don't forget, everything's blamed on truck drivers when uh, they're fucking dumb fucks on the road. This is an explicit podcast, so I can swear. <laughs> um, but yeah, so on a, on a lighter note, there is some terrible drivers, especially coming up to the Christmas rush, um, and I was I was not happy. Um, yesterday. Also, also on the lighter note, uh, what do you think about vegans? Uh, I'm I'm fine with them. Um, it's just the people that push their ideology onto other people. I I know some people that are, are vegan and such, but like I I I I I I don't think I could go vegan, but I can I could feel like I could go vegetarian. But with vegans, especially with if you remember a few years ago, there was a person called That Vegan Teacher on TikTok. It created a yeah. massive uproar around uh, vegans and such. But I don't think they're bad in general. Like, there's some very good people that are vegans. It's just the people pushing that it's your it's your fault that animals are dying and such onto you that are they're trying to guilt you in a way. Some people, not all of them. I, I think there's a lot of vegans that are very nice and respectable. I I would totally agree with that point. There's a lot of great people out there who um, who, who believe in a brighter future for the world, um, one that doesn't involve meat, but also doesn't push their ideologies, their ideas on other people and try and punish you. Um, I I, I saw this one video on the internet the other day and I thought it was quite funny. Um, There was this woman... She was standing protesting against um, uh, the cattle industry and a farmer came up to her and said, "Um, have you ever had a field? And she said, no. And he goes, well, plough a field to uh, plant whatever you eat, uh, grain, soy, whatever it is, you have to go around and kill everything that is on top of and in the soil. Every animal, worms, 
birds, moles, whatever. And he said, so how cute does an animal have to be before you give a shit? Yeah. Um, if you look at, uh, like, especially with uh, a lot of people that uh, say that meat eating is bad, uh, the people that push the ideology upon you, um, they say, oh, farming and especially cows produce a lot of carbon dioxide. When the farming industry uh, around cows and sheep and stuff only produce 0.01% of all uh, carbon emissions. Um, mm-hmm. When the majority of that, a, a lot of the time, is a lot of them are driving electric cars, which involves the mining of lithium, which has yep. a very, very, very large carbon footprint on the world and involves child, child labor also. Um, I, I think a lot of the people that these, the vegan protesters, not all of them, uh, are kind of blind to the fact that they're also causing harm to not only animals, but to the environment and also people. Mm, yeah. I also saw this, um, this quote, um, which I thought was very hilarious. Um, I, I think this, I'm not sure if this guy's taking the piss or if he's um, just saying what he believes, but um, it's quite scary. Um, he said, yet the fact remains that all life is sacred. And then he went on to say, some life such as grass, we, not, we may not understand as life, but the smell of fresh mown grass that so many people love is the grass's distress cry for being chopped in half again. <laughs> now, yeah, I, plants do have a sort of, I guess, have a they have a mindset in a way like they 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 are living things, but they're not living as such as we are. I, I, th- I think it might be a joke that thing, but what I'm meaning yeah, is I that so. um. A lot of the crop industry, especially, um, a lot more animals die in that than in cows uh, or any other meat uh, industry that involves livestock. Uh, yeah, yeah. At, for example, we were just doing uh, hay the other day, and there was a few pukekos that got hit with the the what what's it called with um, the grass cutter. Like, but yeah. it, it happens, and there's no way you can stop it because animals aren't the smartest tools in the shed. No, they don't have. Necess- they don't necessarily have the same concept of spatial awareness and consciousness as a human being. Like a human being would see a big machine coming towards it with knives on it or whatever it has on it, and go oh, I'm going to move out of the way. Whereas a bird, such as a pukeko, will look at it and go, and then um, not move, and then it will get its head chopped off. But on a more heavy thing, I feel like the farming industry is going to not die, but fall in a sense. Uh, Farming has become so automated nowadays. Uh, especially in Germany where they're creating these automatic tractors and such, which literally can do what a man used to do. Uh, instead of um, a human operating the tractor, it's a machine. And they're more effective, obviously, because it's a machine. But with this, it's going to destroy many jobs in the farming industry. And soon the only people that can afford to own farms are going to be the people that have the money to buy these machines yeah yeah and it's a scary and it's a scary thing for the industry um whereas um i'm hoping that um once i finish university i'll be able to get into the agricultural industry that's uh my career path I'm going to be looking at, I'm doing a Bachelor of Commerce in Global Business, yep. and I'm hoping that I can uh, get into the ag industry and talk to farmers and 
join, help promote a positive business identity amongst our export markets. Um, but it's definitely a scary prospect where maybe one day, very soon in New Zealand, we will have one or five major companies that own three quarters of the South Island. Yeah. Because it's just one massive ranch, one massive farm to its own company, whereas um, now it's, I think, stretching my mind back to the ag paper I did, I think we've got, on average, we've got, 444 cows per farm, um, per farm. Um, yeah, I can't remember how many farms we've got in this country, but it's a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I personally got... think that automation of farms will become a bad thing for the future, uh, especially with technology becoming as prevalent as it is. Um, I think would have a high, very high homelessness population more than if most things are becoming automated. You need people to operate things um, and to, for them to have a livelihood because if you're yeah. having such things as automated tractors or um, automated shopping tools, people who work in retail will lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think the main problem we have here also is automated tractors, automated shopping tools, automated everything, computers, computer chips, where is this all going to end? And can we trust our current systems we have in place? I know for a fact that I wouldn't trust a single government agency with being able to keep my data safe um, because at the end of the day, they are easily compromised. And that's the problem I have. When we rely so heavily on technology and all this automated stuff, is are we going to see an event where we are basically frozen out of life because um, it is so automated that we, in the event of a hack, or a bio, uh, um, electronic warfare, we can't do anything because it's all frozen. Exactly. Um, the prevalence of automated technology is becoming way more extensive than it has ever. Uh, everything nowadays has become automated. You have uh, wireless this, wireless that. You have um, automatic uh, things on cars, especially now that you have driverless cars. Um is everything going to become one cog in the machine? And is it going to become 1984, like Orwell said in his book? Um, will the government soon control most of the technology? And what will happen to the everyday person? Will they become immersed in this technology? Or will it take over uh, everyday life and you, everyone will become oblivious to it because it's just the norm? Mm, mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's scary stuff. Um, what could, what what we are facing in the future? Um, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast. I think uh, we've been talking for about um, sixty minutes now, an hour. Um, so what what I think I might do is I might just make this a full one episode. Um, Might as well. Than... well been a pleasure coming on. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, well, uh, thank, thanks for um, coming on because we really appreciate the ability to have um, proper dialogue with people rather than just hearing my uh, political rants. Um, <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure the viewers will love it. Um, yeah. So you have a great night now. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Todd. Okay, bye. And that's it for the podcast this week. Be sure to join us next week 
uh, for another great podcast. Like I said before, we're trying to get as many people as we can possibly get on um, onto the podcast, and we love talking to people. We love having really educated conversations with people, and we also love having a laugh and uh, just um, cracking shit. So um, be sure to reach out via Instagram if you uh, want to join me on the podcast and we can have an educated conversation like we did today or we can just chew the fact and have some great conversations about some funny shit. Um, so feel free to reach out and uh, ask me if you want to join me on the podcast. Next week we're probably going to be doing a Monday special. Uh, we will be live from the cricket. So if you are at the Boxing Day match um, on the 26th of December in Hagley Oval, come say hi. You'll be able to get your spot on the podcast and we'll be able to have great chat. We're going to be having some beers down there. Um, just chillaxing out in the sun. It's supposed to be a hot, beautiful day. So um, if you're down there, if you're at the cricket, um, Canterbury Kings with Auckland Aces, if you're at the cricket, come say hi. And that's it. So um, have a great rest of your day whenever you're listening to this. Um, goodbye.